Talking comics and everything comic related on Just Drawn That Way with Dustin B. Now let the invasion begin. Welcome to a lovely and horribly warm Thursday night, ladies and gentlemen. Thank you for tuning in. I am Dustin B. And this is Just Drawn That Way. Your weekly dose of comic reviews, art, and anything interesting or unique in the comic community. So, uh, last week, a quick little recap of, well, what I've seen in the comic community right now. Well, again, we are getting closer to the Suicide Squad launch, movie launch. Uh, it's definitely looking interesting. It, um, so far, the previews, especially the most recent one, definitely shows it's going to be an interesting, uh, interesting movie. The surrounding comics that have been put in, especially with the relaunch of the next uh, round of Suicide Squad with Waller out of the picture and Harley and Deadshot seeming to be at the front of the group. Looks like it's a good read. Um, DC Rebirth is still going strong. I've definitely seen uh, an interesting side for Superman and Green Lantern, especially considering one of the protagonists for the Green Lantern series is female. That's a definite change from their rotating four or five standard Green Lanterns. And the most impressive part is, unlike some of the previous generations, her costume's actually really well done. So far, the writing is pretty on the level, and I'm hoping it's going to continue in that uh, particular vein. Uh, Kurt Weeb's Bounties is coming out soon. Again, please check that one out. It definitely looks like it's going to be a fun read. And since we are talking about Kurt Weeb's tonight, we are going with Rat Queens. So, whoever, for those of you who are curious about the social media side of this... At Just Drawn Radio, you can actually head to there. The first link you'll find there is going to the Instagram. It'll have several different uh, examples of the comic, including writing, art style, and the very unique characters. So to start this off, I've chosen two tracks for this particular show. Unfortunately, I can't really find the Rat Queen's song itself is uh, not quite safe for radio, so I've chosen two other songs that definitely embody the Rat Queen uh, mentality the first one coming up is going to be samus a female hip-hop artist from the united states definitely give her a check out if you guys are even remotely interested in hip-hop she's a fantastic artist and you're going to get that feeling beat the game
call it quits and lock that doubt. Ladies, weapons down, now that's some pull. I ain't no matador. Instead, I'm flying solo on a mission to the very end. Build the boss a blow like Tanya did to Nancy Kerrigan. Hot, so before you ask, I don't need a man. My work is kicking ass. They call me me a hand. While you chickens laying eggs, I'll just be eating them. I never land, I'm speeding past. They call me Peter Pan. Plus, it's never black and white. My life is not a zebra. Tonight I wanna fight as if I'm Sonny Chiba But she might not have really died It's temporary freedom If she come right back to life I'll act like it's a speed run Beat her up pronto If she really wants some Got a bigger brain But she will never be head honcho Got me seeing red like looking at infected tonsils I promise you'll be dead when we get to a better console I love that feeling when I beat the game I love that feeling when I save the day. I love that feeling when I get my way. I'll be over the moon, but I'll be hollering soon. Yeah, I love that feeling when I beat the game. I love that feeling when I save the day. I love that feeling when I get my way. I'll be over the moon, but I'll be hollering soon. That was Samus with That Feeling Beat the Game. So that is an example of uh, Nerdcore Hip Hop. If that is something that you're interested in and you've never heard it before, check out Nerdcore Cabaret at 8 o'clock tonight on CJTR 91.3 FM. So now that we've got that out of, got a little intro out of the way, given anyone who's curious to check out the Instagram, let's get to the review, shall we? So as you've guessed before, we're talking about Rat Queens. Writer is Curtis J. Weeb. He's got quite a quite a uh, collection in comics so far for uh, writing we've also got multiple artists on this one rock up church steven sejic and tess fowler so there's a little bit of controversy about that and we're going to get to uh, that in a moment here starting off rock up church was removed as an artist after being arrested for domestic violence that's yeah, we're not going to go too much into that just because we got a 30-minute show. And I'd rather get to the fun stuff than talk about that. Sedgwick took over briefly, though, and Fowler did a special issue as well as a trade. And unfortunately, at that point, the book is now on hiatus due to creative differences. We may see the Rat Queens return in the future. We may not. Who knows? But Bounties is at least a good trade-off until we get to find out more about this particular group. So it has actually gotten an award, uh, the 2014 Eisner, for the Best New Series and won the 2015 Glad Media Award. This is surrounding the Volume 1, Sass and Sorcery. The story, now we're going to, let's get to the review, shall we? Story centers around a group of four, an adventuring party, Betty the Thief and my personal favorite, Dee the Priestess, Hannah a Sorceress, Violet the Warrior. 
So far, two things you may not be expecting from a comic. It's based on a Dungeons and Dragons style situation of adventuring parties into town, seeking quests. A fresh change, especially when it comes to the fantasy genre, aside from the fact is that they're all wearing sensible armor. All female protagonists. Nice change. Now you know uh, what to expect. Starting, Let's go with something different, starting with the art. First off, you get traditional outlines, color, not perfect realism in shape. Definitely the uh, characters do adjust based on the situation, expressions, things of that nature. Slightly cartoonish style, but not too far from realism, actually. It's kind of one of my favorite styles of art and definitely uh, shows it through all three that they're kind of trying to gun for a perfect medium, at least to kind of keep some type of flow between artists. Um, slightly significant uh, more shading than most comics. It's not super dark like what you'd see in Sin City, but uh, it's usually just due to printing restrictions, all done with dots to create colors. Uh, see artists such as Liechtenstein. Digital improvements, meaning better shading, and colors can can be a little bit brighter, more vibrant. Still, it's usually not a... Uh, there's definitely a variety of how they've gone about this. Most of the time, it does keep a very vibrant uh, look to the comic, though. Backgrounds are also very different from traditional comics. It's uh, usually more detailed. Uh, definitely, the definitely there's been a lot of work putting into the world crafting around here. It's a little different from traditional comics, though. Um, it's often blurred to focus in on characters. Blur is well, it it definitely draws your eye to the character, and you see their reaction, you see their expression, especially in the situations. Character and elements don't often or don't always stay in their panel. First example is on page 16. Violet Sword actually goes into two other panels. It uh, it's a nice trick from the artist to kind of give a bigger, better impact to that hit. It adds visual impress, visual interest. It emphasizes on the rules and outlines that are made to be broken. Definitely, uh, and throughout the story, you definitely get to see great examples of how these characters have gone about breaking panels, art design, things like that. Each character also has their own set color palette, which is a really neat trick from the artist, and if you're not paying attention, it gives, still gives a very really great visual flair, but for an artist, getting to see that, that's just awesome. Each character, uh, so Betty runs with neutrals and a little bit of color from jewelry. She likes her shinies, but eh, well, the rule of a thief is if you get seen too much, it usually doesn't end, end well for your profession. D goes with blacks and purples, dark colors primarily to fit with her uh, character and personality. Hannah likes reds and other shades of blood. Violet has teal armor and wears more teal and white. Also, each character has a dis very distinct body type, racial background, and fashion choices, which, again, the fact is that the designs went into such a great detail when it comes to crafting these characters that makes them feel more rounded. Uh, so, quick rundown on that. Betty is very short, fairly small, longer legs. Wider head, pointed ears, almost like dreadlocks, uh, flowing pants, earthy cape. It's good for a thief and a little bit hippie-esque, especially when you get to read about how she acts and her general mannerisms and affinity for, affinity for certain types of plant life. It very fit, it's very fitting for her. D is a, uh, quite, quite, uh, differently, different from her. She's, uh, dark skinned, natural afro, white tattoos and paint marks, not quite a corset top, flowing split skirt. It's the most historical design out of all of them, and it definitely feels like there's a little bit of painterly inspired research done in regards to this, especially when you take a look at some of the uh, 17th century portraiture work done. Hannah is in a corset-like top and either a shorter skirt or tight crop pants. Hair up and spikes a bit like victory rolls. So it's got a little bit of a rockabilly feel. Pale and dark hair, uh, pointed ears. 
Violet is an armor or clothes that could go under armor, more utilitarian, hair loose and low-key, and red. she's a redhead with freckles. All have these very unique in style and flair, and all pass the silhouette test without any trouble. Now, for those of you who haven't heard me talk about the silhouette test before, take a look at the, take a look at the Rat Queens. Shade every one of them in so you can't see any details of them, and you'd be able to pick them out of a lineup. That's a rudimentary storytelling tip, storytelling and visual design tip, and when done right, it adds such a great flair to any story. Panel shape is used as part of the storytelling, not just standard squares or rectangles. Some are angled to show movements or fit aspects of the story. Sometimes elements, again, go out of their panel for emphasis. Even sometimes the panels are shaken or the line or the gutters outside them actually do show different changes as well to kind of help emphasize what's going on that particular panel. Now back to the story. This is definitely not a story for kids. Uh, definite violence and sexual content, even just trying to put together the social media side for this one tonight. I had to do a little bit of pick and choosing just to make sure I uh, get to come back again for next week's show. Starts with a town that is clearly less and happy with adventuring parties, especially when you get to see how they treat some of the other groups, such as the Four Daves and the Obsidian Darkness. And yes, best party name ever, Four Daves. I wish, well, too bad there's not Four Dustins, but well, I'm pretty sure they wouldn't last very long. Good example of introducing reality. If you had a town where a bunch of mercenaries or adventurers hang out, wouldn't be very many quests left, not many threats, so what else are they going to do? Well, in the case of the Rat Queens, it's a lot of fighting and drinking. So, the Rat Queens, all four misfits, different races, human, elf, dwarf, and kender, if you're going by D&D standards for you, uh, for you D&D uh, junkies out there, foul-mouthed, hard-drinking, love to party. Obviously, the favorite pastime is getting drunk and starting bar fights, or any fight, or... Well, actually just, yeah, fighting in general. Adventuring parties are often sent on quests or exiled from the town. I'm pretty sure it's some sort of form of damage control. This doesn't quite go as planned as they discover someone is trying to kill off the adventuring parties. This kind of falls back into the beginning of why the town is not a huge fan of them, but I'm not going to go any farther in that, so you guys can find out more of that for yourself. It's got all the traditional marks of the D&D campaigns. Group adventurers, quests, battles, kind of this This happens, what now do you do, storytelling feel. It's much more complicated than it appears on the surface. It definitely is a, it's not a super gritty D&D styled story. It has a great sense of humor and quite often it doesn't take itself very seriously, which adds to making this a really fun read. It takes a simple premise but fleshes out on the characters you Start off with these just little one-shots of who each character is and who their story unfolds as the story progresses. There, you get to see a lot of hints of their backstory and complications happen, and even the minor characters actually take center stage every once in a while. So, since it's called the Rat Queens, let's talk about the women. You don't get a whole lot of details to start with them. It's, again, your generic pin-up pose and a name. All of them have a great backstory. You get to see bits and pieces of it given to you throughout the story. It's not quite laid out for us from the start. In fact, the first volume doesn't give us anyone's backstory, just hints of their lives before they met up. We get to meet Violet's brother, and, well, it goes interesting. We get a phone call from Hannah's mom, which she uh, responds with what can almost be assumed is a... Uh, rather frightening response in that particular world. Dee has a flashback to leaving home. We actually learn the least about Betty, but at the same time, her character has the most on the surface, and we get to see a lot of hilarious reactions from her. Although, again, all these are complex characters that we know have a lot of screw-ups in their past, and they're all running from something. 
So we're going to talk about the story structure being a play on a D&D campaign or even a role-playing game for for you uh, gamer crowd. Every Even characters themselves are D&D stereotypes, race, and class, but they're all quirks of that, such as Betty is a tiny thief who has knives and an issue with picking stuff up, but she also has an obsession with candy, alcohol, drugs, and clearly of... Uh, any plant, any plant life that can actually lead to an interesting evening. She's sweet and bubbly and not really all that scary, unless she wants to kill something or is picking up crazy details. D is a priestess, but definitely not from some deity would anyone would want to call, want to call on if the tentacles and skulls are any sign. And, well, it's the squid worship and all that. She's a little bit secretive, but not so much because she is mystical and arcane, more just because she doesn't want to talk about it. In fact, it doesn't really seem like she's exactly a devotee of her deity. Also, she's a bit of a loner and not much for parties. And in case anyone's wondering, that in the link to the Instagram has one of my favorite quotes from her from the first book. Hannah's a sorceress, scary arcane power, but she doesn't seem to be totally in control. Actually, she'd rather drink than study scrolls, and getting brawls is usually, isn't usually something that's associated with magic users. They're more the uh, fragile type, but she's usually in there throwing, throwing anything with the uh, rest of the Rat Queens. We definitely know she has a thing with a local guard captain. Something is up with her family. Her mother is dead, not sure about her father, and why her eyes go dark and scary when Violet is almost killed. We'll get to see that unfold in the next trade paperback, and anyone who actually enjoys this, please pick up the next trade. It's a great read. Violet is a warrior and most likely to show honor. She takes responsibility for the attack on the town, and she's the first one to actually go and face down the attackers. She doesn't really brag, and she uh, doesn't really drink more than the rest of them. It's kind of a... Great contrast to even stuff like Tolkien's dwarves, who ale is kind of the way to go for everything. But on that, knowing she left home and shaved her beard, and yes, even the women of this particular world uh, for dwarves have beards, you know very little about her past. So we're going to take a little break here with the last song for today, and that is from Hanny El Khatib, Nobody Move. And if anything sums up a Rat Queen's bar brawl, it's this song.
And we are back. And for any of you that was just tuning in and going, hey, Dustin, that song was pretty awesome. Again, that is Henny El Khatib with Nobody Move. So we're getting to the end of the show today. So we're going to talk a little bit more on Rat Queens. And then I'll give you a preview for what's coming up next. And, of course, feed the usual social media monster. So finishing off with our talk on the Rat Queens, it's definitely a story to pass the Bechdel test. And... For those of you who are curious, it usually does, it revolves around female characters, especially protagonists, and how often they interact with other female characters. And in regards to talking about things other than male protect male, male characters, this show, this uh, particular comic passes it with uh, flying colors. So even the supporting characters, ob- obvious villains of the book, are women as well. The store owner Bernadette. Ogre, whose boyfriend they killed, unfortunately, but uh, oops. Other female adventurers, and they talk about uh, they talk about a whole lot more than just men. They are friends, and <laughs> considering the amount of uh, th- amount of fights they've gotten into and succeeded, they're definitely powerful. They also have relationships with other characters, and as a note, um, this is an interesting thing that I definitely thought was a change from how other fantasy type fantasy type genres would illustrate these. There aren't, they aren't all straight either. Betty has clearly had female partners. So we got about five minutes left of this show. So, again, we're going to plug uh, what we're going to talk about next week. Also, the social media stuff. So I'm sure as anyone who has tuned in before, there is Fan Art Friday, which basically means I'm going to pick a theme, and we're going to throw up some artwork for it. Um, any artists who are tuning in, Message me at Just Drawn Radio on Twitter, and feel free to provide me with a link to your work, and I'll be more than happy to throw it up with any uh, links to your own sites as well. Secondly, we got uh, Soundtrack Saturday, which, is, in case you guys haven't noticed, I definitely like trying to find music to play along with this show. Um, for the people who are interested in the shows or in the songs that were played tonight, we've got we'll be posting that on Spotify later on. And if any of you who are tuning in have actually added the Spotify playlist to your accounts, you will see this music popping up again for you in a couple hours. So, finally, what are we going to do next week? I have not actually decided yet. I'm thinking either we're going to take on Saga or Harley Quinn, and <laughs> DC's answer to Deadpool. But uh, any of you who are curious to see what else uh, is out there on the comics horizon or see a book and you're not really uh, sure if you want to get in t- into too deep yet, message me as well, and I'll be more than happy to either do a quick shout-out review before the uh, meet of the show, or I'll even, hey, if I can find enough material to put it together on it, we will do a full show about it. After Harley or Saga next week, we're going to do another show with Alan, who I'm sure you all remember from the last time he came on the show. So we are almost out of time, so I'm going to say we're probably going to cut a little bit early tonight. So anyways, for Just Drawn This Way, thank you for tuning in, and the Infinity Watch is back in effect. Have a great night, guys.